With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Episode 112 here, heels of an international break. Let's go. Final international break for some time, thank God. So what do we do for two weeks off right now? Wank, drink, (laughs) try and go to sleep early, or I don't know, try and get the sleeps to go away faster. (laughs) Exactly. Just like overdose on NyQuil and just sleep through the entire thing if if possible. Do some drugs, like have fun, like. Whatever. Eat some good food. Actual drugs, not not hits. No. Hard drugs. The hard stuff. Yeah. But first of all, wank and drink. I think that's good. Um, so, how'd you do? You were the most depressed you've ever <laughs> been in pod history last episode. I think you fucking did a lot. Uh, I think I did a little bit better than last week. <laughs> I mean, I played the bench boost, so for those who have not read the lineup lambs from last week, basically thought I had Good fixtures on my bench, and I had a full 15 fit and firing, and I got 16 points off it, so that felt really good. And I finished up on 72 after my hit, and I flew up to 143K, so nice nice chunk rise. Um, Captain Sala, the, the rule of not, not captaining against Palace came in very luckily for me, and Salah, as I was shouting what kind of shambles West Ham are at home. He got in behind, he got the brace, and it felt really good. So really good, really good, uh, really good week for me. And I feel like I'm back in position to crack into the top 100K and then on to the top 10K where I feel like I rightfully belong. And my team, for the first time, I feel like I'm ahead of the curve, planned ahead, and I have a really good team for the next four or five game weeks coming. So... Everything looks good in, in, oh Wal- in Walshland. It's <laughs> this fucking the night and day. Firmly upside down, dude. Holy oh, fuck. I'm grinning ear to ear, shit eating grin on my face right now. Speaking Rid- about this because ridiculous. This, this is it's the fourth Green Arrow on the year for me, and it's fucking November, and we've been playing this game for a while. So that means I've had four happy like weeks in three months. So I feel like I. Yeah, yeah, it's also it's not fucking, your average green arrow. You went up fucking three hundred k. It's like this is. Yeah, that's I mean a there was like arrow, bench boost, like good, actual good, and massive, huge drives, and everything's good here. So here in uh, LA, sunny LA. So again, for people who didn't read lineup lambs, why? didn't you feel that you should save your bench boost for like the double game weeks like everyone has traditionally done for the last two seasons? And why did you just pop it now, I guess? I think the number one reason is the trip, the, uh, the free hit chip. I think 
we haven't really talked about chip theory or anything that advanced on the pod. Chip just because theory, I love that. Chip, uh, it's uh, a little chip, chip Haley theory. So basically, the all-out attack chip was a complete useless thing. It was not worth talking about last season. They replaced it with this new free hit chip. And we saw it go awry a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of people were popping it to get in Arsenal players when they had that home banker, and then they fucking shat the bed. And a lot of teams that had 11 fit players... And good teams were, were using the free hit chip to just get people that are also good with better on-paper fixtures. But as we found out in that game week, the, the difference between a bad fixture and a good fixture is on a knife edge when you're, you're taking out good players for other good players. And a lot of people got really burned by that. And I think the average advantage was like 1.3 points per person who played the free hit chip that week. And That's crazy, yeah. Yeah. And I think just the free hit chip, it's like, that is a double game week chip to me. And I think that when we get into the second stage of the season in, you know, March, April, May, we know the blank game week well in advance. Teams that play in the blank game week are typically teams that have gotten knocked out of the FA Cup later stages who are bad Premier League teams like West Brom or, you know, Swansea and those types of sorts the good Premier League teams are typically still in the FA Cup in the quarterfinal stages. So the odds that really good teams are playing on blank, blank game weeks are a lot less than just bad teams playing in blank game weeks. Of course, that's just theoretical, and we don't know that until the second half of the season happens and the games are played. But yeah, until at least all Wolves last... upset City or some shit. Right, but I mean, we saw it last season, right? There were like eight teams or ten teams or something like that playing, and they were like Everton, West Brom, Bournemouth, like shitty teams. It was so, every, every bad team, basically, yeah. Yeah, and we knew about it in advance, and we were able to put the, you know, the fifth mid and the fourth and fifth defender, our backup goalkeeper, we're able to plan accordingly to ha- make sure that we're not going to have like three players those game weeks, because we know about it over a month in advance. We have at least four free transfer, game week, whatever the fuck's before the blank game week happens. Yeah, And so, I mean, the same thing should happen again this year. The free hit chip, if you play it on a double game week, it's basically just wild carding for that double game week and not having to look at, well, if I have these like two or three double game weekers who are cheap with bad fixtures after the double game week, that's going to put me in a bad spot for game weeks like 35, 37, and 38. You know, with the free hit chip, you just pop it. You don't have to worry about getting. You don't have to worry about cheap. anything. Yeah, you don't have to worry about anything. You just full balls to the wall, and I think it was a super strong point because up until you wrote that and decided to bench boost, I think the our only mention of the free hit chip and everyone that I've seen was planning on using it for the blank game week, which I think is how FPL designed it to be used. Which I think I brought up like a couple weeks ago, but. I love that call. I mean, I it's just it. You always for everyone who's played in the past seasons and saved their wild card for the double game weeks. You always run into all of those situations where you're getting guys in bad fixtures, but they double, and you're getting rid of good guys or whatever. And then they have two days off after the double game week before they have another game, and they get rested, and everything's just fucked. And like, it, you can gain really good points on the double, and then maybe it fucks you for later game weeks. Free hit is just YOLO. I mean, it's just like do whatever, get whoever you want. Nothing matters. You get your good team and good guys back the next week, and you're fine. You're not fucking yourself over. I think it's yeah, smart. Another, yeah. 
Yeah, and another thing about the bench boost, I think it's like it's a misnomer. Is that like, oh, you get like fucking a million players playing on the double game week with the bench boost, and it's great. But realistically, when you look at the bench boost, the players that come in are your fourth and fifth defenders, your fifth midfielder, and your second goalkeeper. When you're spending money on those spots, if you do that for your double game week, you're taking it off the pitch. The double game week is not the last week of the season, typically, and you have other weeks to plan for. So, I mean, if you're if you're spending extra money, say you buy a six million fifth midfielder for one game week, you're still never going to play that player again, and you're like a double hit away from bringing them to a four or five to put the money back on the pitch right. for the subsequent weeks. Unless your Same team value is absolutely ludicrous, which you can't even get this season because price rises have been so slow. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, you're fucking yeah. your team structure over. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. And then at the same time, the fourth and fifth defender, it's like, okay, you want to get any four or five around that range defender who has two fixtures who are part of the double game week. If they play fucking Arsenal and then Southampton, they could have three points. Like, it's not like, oh, great, they're playing two games. Like, you have minus one point for two goals allowed. If you have one bad fixture, that could be a one point game. Like, if you don't get one clean sheet in those two games, if the player doesn't play both games, there are so many things that go wrong in double game week for your your cheap, shitty defenders on shitty fucking teams that it's not just like, great, they're, the fixtures are great, both are amazing. And if that's the case, then they're going to be in your starting lineup because if you can find a 4, 5 to 5 million defender in the double game week who has two good fixtures, right. then those are players that you're going to want to fucking in there mm, for the God, long yeah. haul. You know? You're nailing this. So, I love this. So like when you look at the subsequent weeks too, it's like you buy two, you buy a fucking guy who's active in the double game week on your defense, and then maybe the fixtures after the double game week aren't good. Like maybe the rotation doesn't line up well. Like just because they have two fixtures in the double game week and they have a bad fixture the following week and a bad fixture two weeks after, you're gonna come out net negative because if you got the four or five from fucking West Brom who has good fixtures and then the subsequent two, and they're single game weekers the whole way around. You're going to rotate them, and then you're going to come out ahead in points. So every time I fucking bench boost in a double game week, I'm getting defenses who are giving up two goals allowed, the fixtures are bad, and I'm getting players who don't have good fixtures afterwards, and they don't fit in the rotation of my 11-man squad for the weeks after the double game weeks. It's even simpler than not good fixtures after. They're just not good picks. That's what we always run into. We just get like some 4-0 because he's 4-0, and... He lets us spend more and get fucking Kane or whatever the fuck. And he's just a bad pick on a bad team that we always have both done that. And, you know, there's you're going to hear stories. I'm sure people will reply to this podcast with stories of, oh, I scored 30 extra points in my bench. It's like, it's obviously possible. But I think that we're trying to point out the more likely scenario and the problems that people around us have always run into. When trying to nail it, you know. Yeah, and I, like as I said in Lands, I'm not saying like this is definitely the way to play the game. Like there are so many different ways to play. We always talk about yeah. that different formations, different way to approach captaincy, Absolutely. everything. But in my experience, like I got 16 points on my bench boost this week. I've never remotely come close to 16 points. My best total on bench boost before was I think seven or eight, and that was when I had bench boost with four double game makers on my bench each of the last two seasons, and. It's just something that you should start thinking about because the free hit chip changes the way the game has been played over the last two years because the AOA chip was not a chip. And it's just something that you should look at critically and think of how you're planning, what your history has been, and looking forward. And there are plenty of weeks that you can still play the bench boost in a single game week. 
part of the reason why I did this week also is because we're entering the fixture pileup. We're gonna a lot of teams have two games a week from you know November after the international breaks over through to the new year. And I was thinking maybe more rotation, and I'm sure there were going to be times when maybe the fixtures were a little bit better for my entire bench. But in the single game weeks, come like February, March, when you know Europe, some of the teams are out of Europe, and some of the better teams are still still are, are out of Europe. You can play it then, but it's just something to think. Yeah, about. it was relatively safe for you to play it this week with a high floor because everyone's nailed and everyone's probably going to get you one or two points on your bench. So it's like right. Yeah, if you're bench boosting into like a minimum of eight ish points, that's pretty fucking amazing. That's really good. Yeah, and that's what I was looking at. I yep. mean, I got a big, big rise, so it feels good. And yeah, the other thing also, I mean, not just to the final point on this is that the last two years I've always felt hostage to the wild card before the double game week into bench boost, and I've always felt hostage when I'm picking my wild card team that the entire squad of 15 has to be playing two games in the double game week. And it blinded me to the fact that there were better picks who had single game weeks in the double game week who had better subsequent fixtures afterwards. I know I mentioned this earlier, but... Leicester two years ago, Spurs last year. Every, yeah. Everyone ran into the same mistake, yeah. So this way, I'm not going to have that same problem. And whether or not I use the free hit chip on the double game week or the blank game week... I could wild card the week of a double game week and still feel great, and I could put my bench with four single game week players who rotate well and fit better in, in the medium or short term than just that immediate week. I think we get so blinded by that one like bumper, wow, I can hit 175 points this week, but I don't know. I, I've been burned by it the last two seasons, so I'm, I'm reacting to it, and it went, yeah, went well. I like it. I like it. All right. Wow, that was, that was an intense fucking... Early section of the pod. It had to be, though. It had to be because people were just so. When Lineup Lamps came out, everyone was like, what the fuck, Bench Boost? Like, holy shit, you never mentioned this on pod. This is insane. Every single person, feedback wise, was just like, Walsh, you're fucking losing it. Like, what are you doing? You're a fucking idiot ass. Fuck you. Fuck you up your ass. Yeah, I mean, I'm plus 16, so show me how you did in your bench boost in game week 36, and we'll talk. Yeah, 16 feels great. Yeah, 16 is good. Um, How'd you do? I'm on 56 points, solid, nice 115k rise, up to 229k. So I'm just slowly climbing. Nice little week for me. Um, transfer was annoying. I did Lacazette to Kane. Annoying because there's a net loss of two points there because Laka came out and scored. But more the, annoying the because dom- of the, the domino. Yeah, the domino effect of just just all of the dominoes getting rammed up my ass because. Then I captained Kane, whereas I definitely would have captained either Kuhn or Salah, who got you know a lot more points than Kane. So that sucks, and that's a I feel that loss because you know, until maybe Thursday, I was like, okay, I'm still on Kuhn, and then everyone was getting Kane and the price rise, and I was like, okay, yeah, he's fit. Poch says he's fit. Everything's good. He's the best. I brought him in, and then on Friday. I was like, I'm capping Kane, so that sucks. Um, but overall, a good week. I mean, Richarlison scoring. I still have Salah because I'm not a fucking idiot. Duffy in, you know, good good shit. The Toby injury hurt. I had, had to start Jordan Ayew, two-pointer, nailed on. But, you know, I'll deal with Toby in a later time. Overall, I'm still happy with my wildcard team for the most part. My biggest miss probably being Burnley defense, which uh, 
We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in yeah. good shape. Yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. I've been just yeah. like steadily rising for a little bit. So, you know, it's four green arrows in a row, albeit small as fuck green arrows for the most part. It's still four green arrows in a row. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing something right. It's better than red. Been way better than red. Um, All right, what are, what are we doing Let here? me shout out the uh, November Mug League, Prize League, Tit League leader. Kenneth MK, a.k.a. Madonna 10. Oh, I'm not the fucking You're not leader the guy. anymore? You're not the guy. Um, yeah, Kenneth just, just titted uh, you. I think, I think you're in second, though, actually. Um, and shout out to the top of the Survivor League, Matt Doherty. Top of the very, very tight league. Only 22 people left alive in this moment. <laughs> fucking 22. producer Nate forgets to pick last week, still in third place. It's, it's heated up there, dude. It's so hard now in Survivor. It's so hard. Born, I, I was looking at our picks. the worst like, teams left. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have like Bournemouth, Huddersfield, like West Ham. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, West Ham. Oh, my God. Moisen. Oh, God. Yeah, it's getting really hard. It's fun, though. Maybe we'll do another Survivor League, like, starting after this one is over for the end of the season, second half of the season or something. Yeah, maybe we could start on the halftime. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, and then lastly, shout out at the top of the FML field, publicly, Conrad Struski. A seventy-six pointer. Everyone, everyone at the top of every league captain Salah. That's just how this week went, basically. Yeah, I mean that's like a big fifteen-point boost. So yeah, it's massive. Not surprising. Massive. Um, all right, yeah, let's go ahead. This is a proper proper pod this week. What does that mean? I don't know. I was just such a nightmare last week. I don't even know. What you we were, were a nightmare about. last week. <laughs> I was a nightmare. I'm just a There was fucking... one point where I was like, I edited it out, I think, but there was one point where I was like, dude, this is not cool. And you were like, actual? It's <laughs> like, yeah, dude, this is fucking bad. I'm just a fucking lad, dude. I was so sad. Was you were just, also fucking was... hammered. Yeah, I was fucking hammered. I was self-medicating. All right, sue so, me. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm ha- I'm happy to have you back, but you did right, you did what okay. you had to do. No, I went off the rails and it was a bad part, <laughs> and I apologize to the listeners. It's fucking just it's, I'm sorry. Email me personally. Email. If you know, blah 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 blah. All right. So what do we, what do you want to start with? Defense. I think def- yeah. I think defense is really like we have Ottomendi suspended because he's a disaster. We had Davis um, rotated, and he's just everyone needs to transfer him out if you own him. We had David Luiz, surprise attack. He's sideshow Bob, terrible, put a scarf on on the sidelines. He's just fucked out of the team. Yep. A lot of heavy hitters, a lot of guys who look like very bad picks moving forward. So number one thing is, I mean, do you want to stay in the premium bracket or do you want to downgrade to the 4-5 four, five, four, five bracket? Well, that's the first decision that you have to make, and that's yeah. that will drastically affect the rest of your team structure. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's fine to have... Well, let's start by saying Phil Jones should be nailed in every team. Philium. Philium is the best defender in the game. Value and everything. So you have him. I think it's fine to have another premium guy, probably mm-hmm. only one, and then, and then cheap guys. But I also think it's great to have a bunch of four fives and have more money in your attack. I think both of those are totally acceptable. I would not build a team off three premiums right now, though. I I just don't see enough guys that are worth it, I don't think. I agree. Um, So who, which premiums do you like for people who are maybe have one of those top guys and are looking to just move laterally and not 
not change their whole structure? It's a tough one. I mean, I I agree with your your sentiments, and I think that having two premiums is fine if Phil plus a premium, but my gut, I mean, my team has Phil Jones and four fives, and I think that's the way to go. Yeah, it seems better. I mean, yeah, it's just when, I, had, when you I had, brought in Alderwild because I think Spurs defense is like best or second best in the league, and mm-hmm. you know, his fucking counterpart Vertonghen has a nine pointer this week, and I think with their upcoming fixtures, he's going to have a lot of seven, eight, nine pointers coming up, and I think. He'll right. outscore the average four five and make and right. be worth it over that period. But mm-hmm. it there's few and far between. There's a lot of like not nailed wingbacks. There's a lot of guys who just are not sniffing uh, attacking returns. And there there are teams like Arsenal and City who just haven't been keeping cleans. Yeah, so I think like let's look at the main things. Right, we have four teams in the league that are elite defenses, and the players are priced accordingly. We have Spurs, Man City, Chelsea, and United. Yep. Phil Jones we've talked about. United, definitely the number one team defensive team in the league, no question about it. Bailly is over six. He has absolutely no attack, attacking intent to speak of. De Gea is the second cheapest route in, and he plays goalkeeper, so it's like, you know. But I'm not paying fucking six, seven for Valencia. He's no the worst fucking fullback in the league, and he's not good on baps. <laughs> so, Dude, like, he's just... It's funny because he is attacking in the sense that he like overlaps and cuts inside, but yeah. he's not going to get you consistent no. attacking returns or anything no, near yeah. that. He's attacking like Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is an attacking player. Yeah, like, he's it's a joke. Navas. So that I mean, so that's one. That's United box. Like Phil Jones, absolutely auto. But then you're paying six plus for Bay, who has no attacking intent. Bad on Baps. Chelsea, you have Alonso at seven, whose attack is attacking stats, underlying stats have gotten a, a lot worse than last season when he was at his height, and he hasn't come in with an attacking return in some time. You have game week um, two, holy yeah. shit! That's you have Espelicueta, who's now at six seven, who's playing on the right side of the back three, who's miraculously got another assist from a right sided center back position on his only ball into the box all game. When Phil Jones came into midfield and this the center backs parted like fucking Moses in the sea for a free <laughs> header sitter for Murata, like good luck seeing that continuing to happen. You don't buy the pass points. You're buying what will happen in the future. As Blokwet at six seven, for as much of a bat magnet as he is, his attacking underlying stats are fucking dog shit. And he's I think been he's been killing us this year, but I agree with no, you. No, he's absolutely he's killing us. A hundred percent, just like Grob has been killing us, but I think it's unsustainable bullshit. Christensen, not really cheap, emerging as kind of first choice with David Luiz getting bombed out, but Rudiger's still there. And Gaza is still there, and none of these players are cheap. You still get four points for a clean sheet. If you're going to be playing six and change, then fucking bye bye. I mean, they're better than Chelsea defense. I don't give a fuck what kind of fixture run the Chelsea. Fixture run is pretty out of control. Yeah, but, but it doesn't matter because United just came off the back of two cleans against the three of the top four teams in the league. Like there is no fixture for Chelsea is better than a fixture for United's defense. Right, right, right. So that's I mean, right. I'm, I'm buying. That's the thing with Louise that is so FPL crushing is that he was the cheapest, nailed, and he kind of had some attacking potential. He can score a header off a goal. He can get the random assist or something. But like, yeah, Rudiger, Christensen, Gaza, all kind of not nailed. 
Like, who no, knows? That's Le- thing. Louise yeah. could be in next week. That'd be very yeah. unsurprising. That would, the least surprising thing ever would be him throwing him out into the scarves, into the, out, uh, the stands, and then bringing him back in next week. Right in, straight in. And if you're spent, I mean, Christensen, people are like, oh, it's Christensen. Like, Christensen looks fucking great. I mean, he's looked fantastic. Yeah, he's awesome. Every fucking game I've seen, he looks fantastic. But he's a child. Chelsea are gunning for a top four spot. He's not like four six. Like he's still five and five right, five or whatever. Five nailed, three. He's still five either. and change, and he's not nailed. So it's a fucking ridiculous shout. Yeah, you People are just trying to be that. clever. About, like, Courtois oh, is great. Courtois is great. Yeah, I mean he's now he's like point three or whatever the fuck below De Gea. Yeah. And if you're looking at a premium goalkeeper shout, he actually gets some saves. Like he's decent. Yeah, and they're again, and then looking at, is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then looking at over at City and Arsenal, like. Arsenal just don't have good fixtures and their defense is shitty, so that's not really a starter. <laughs> People have Kolasinac are trying to get rid of him immediately. They're they're begging to get rid of him if they could afford to use a free transfer on him. And the Man City, it's like okay, they're going to keep seventy percent possession. They're going to keep clean sheets, but again, like they're they have three defenders. One of them is six six or whatever six seven with Walker. And then the center back pairing, like Stones, only scores in Europe. Stones. And Otamendi is a red card shot every day, every time he walks on the pitch. But you left Finally, off Spurs. You brought up Arsenal, not Spurs. Oh. You brought the wrong North London team. There's one yeah. team remaining uh, in your okay, list. You, you do Spurs. But before I, fin- I want to finish Man City, is that I don't know anything else I want to talk about Man City. You talk about Spurs. No, I mean, it's just it's really just for Tongan now that Toby's hurt. And we'll have to maybe we'll get some update on how long Toby's out for. I think he's expected to be back after the international break. If that's the case, then it's Toby and Vert are the only options yeah. there. Yeah, because none of the fullbacks are nailed. That is a hundred percent established. It could be any pairing playing any side in any fixture. No indication of anything. Vert is really good on bonus out of nowhere. Um, and they're a really, really good defense. And aside, you know, they have the North London Derby after an international break, but then really good run of clean sheet potential. Then they have Man City game, and then another really good run of cleans for a long ass time. So I think at six zero, and this is the reason why I went Toby on my wild card at six zero. Out of all the teams you just listed, and all the scenarios, and all the players, they're like really the only other place I'd go after Phil Jones. Yep. Like it, yeah, and it's 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 a differential also, which is weird because it's Spurs, and we, you know, most Spurs players who are good are really really high own high ownership, but you look at their defenders and even Hugo, who's also injured, and Ben Davies is the, like the only high owned defender, and he's a fucking terrible pick who's going to play one minute per game. <laughs> like what the fuck? So that was that sub in stoppage time. That was was. That was my favorite moment of the weekend. Yeah, that was just jealous. better than Salah Brace when I had captain him. Like having seeing Ben Davis come on for one minute Actual and knowing minute. how many people benched like Burnley defenders and shit to play fucking Davis, I was so happy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was uh, that was an absolutely great moment. So he, I mean, he should double drop this week for anyone who's paying attention. I don't know if it's just dead teams that own him, but. So yeah, really, you're just looking at like Vert for now, and I think Vert's a great pick. But um, so let's look down on the four or five bracket because so that's I, was, I mean yeah, I was looking at it more crucial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I wrote the Burnley fucking piece today. And yeah, everyone should check that out. FMLfield.com. Walsh on on triple Burnley defense differential shout. It, basically, it's like 
thinking about seasons past and the four or five defender shouts is normally the four or five nailed defenders are just the absolute worst teams in the league. And I don't think FPL mispriced any players really in the defensive bracket this year, but it just happens to be that some teams that we thought would get ran truck on like Brighton are actually fantastic defensive asset teams. So I mean, I, I can't they, remember. They're really high on the table, aren't they? Like, yeah, I mean, they're been like mid- shocking they're, uh, in all levels. Yeah, but I just I can't remember a time when there have been so many teams with four or five nailed defenders on them on them, and that they're actually really good clean sheet shouts week in and week out, not just like teams that you could only maybe hope for a clean sheet if they're home against like a fifteenth place and under team well, that come that rolls up and and that. And to that, there's the point that we brought up, I think, like two or three pods ago, where there's so many teams you can't attack, which is also weird and rare. There's, like, multiple teams who, like, don't really have a striker and are scoring no goals, way less than one goal per game. So there's, like, all these mid-table kind of Burnley, Brighton, et cetera. They get to play against Huddersfield, Southampton, West Brom, Bournemouth, Swansea, like, all these teams who can't fucking score. So it's good fixture in all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, running from the 4-5 in that bracket, I mean, I think the number one we kind of talked about, again, is, is Burnley. I mean, they've got six cleans. They're, they're cleaning at an elite level, like a united level. And they have played a lot of their really nice home bankers that are in the rear, rear view for right now. But they've got a few pretty good, clean, pretty good cleanable fixtures for the next five or six. And everyone's 4-5. I mean, what, what do you see about Burnley? The biggest thing that stood out to me about your article that you left out, but I think is another feather in the Burnley cap, is that the thing we talked about maybe a month ago where we were, we were praising Dyche and we were praising his change from two strikers up top to a five-man midfield. And I think because they've always been like solid defensively, especially at home the last three seasons that they've been in the Premier League, but... They would always end up in the middle of the table in terms of like actual number of clean sheets. Like they'd be around ten where they should be because they're a bad team. With the change to the midfield and more possession and just more bodies blocking shit in and earlier in the season less shots and everything, I, it feels to me that they've taken like another step up. And and all these teams who can attack in the league, it feels to me they've taken another step forward towards not just being like mid-table clean sheets where they can actually get like 14 or 15 or something. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking when I didn't bring one in on my wild card, but I obviously wish I had one. It was a big miss by me, and I'll I'll look to probably fix that ASAP. They're, they're so, really good. Yeah, so I mean, Burnley, again, like Ben Mees, he's gotten three and two bones the last two game weeks, so... Still 4-5 looks a great shout. Um, definitely don't think Stephen Ward's worth a premium over me. Tarkowski, Lowton, both decent shouts, both 4-5. I'd probably tip Tark- Tarkowski over Lowton um, if, you're, if you're looking to get two because he's just in the box. And then Pope some... is the fucking god. Yeah, I mean, Pope, it's, it's, it's kind of un- yeah, it's the unheralded thing that we'll touch on now, I guess, is that last season, Tom Heaton's 4-5, the later it took each of us FPL managers to realize that he was the best goalkeeper in the game and we brought him in was just that much longer that we were missing out on his points. And 
I don't know if it was stubbornness or just unusual that Burnley were so good or that the goalkeeping, that, that Heaton was getting so many saves and baps and shit, but Pope is doing the absolute exact same thing that Tom Heaton was doing last season. If Tom Heaton was 4-5 or five this season, he would be in fucking 90% of the team's game week one. He was five, so it was a little so bit. He was five, so he was only in my fucking team, and he yeah, got no right. clean sheets, and then got yeah. fucking injured. Yeah, that's your uh. problem. But now that Pope's four five, I mean, it's he is Tom Heaton, so there's no reason to delay it. He's better than having Speroni and Elliott. He's just he's better than having Courtois or Ederson. He's better than fucking anyone. It's Pope's world, and we're. I mean, basically, it, so. it's just the savings, like. I, yeah. he, De Gea and Courtois could easily finish ahead of him by the end of the season. That, would, that wouldn't be shocking at all. But he's fucking over a million cheaper than them. So that's, from a value perspective, Pope will be up there by the end of the season in terms of like points per game. So from value perspective, that's just not close. Having another million to spend elsewhere, that's not even close. I mean, Pope has averaged 6.1 points per start since he's been starting for Burnley. 6.1 points per start. Yeah, that's, so imagine like, that that's you, like Phil Jones' average, you know? That's an actual clean sheet every game since he's been starting. It's not like yeah. two games. It's not a small sample size. Like, this is what he gets save points, gets bonus from points. from game week five onwards. I mean, yeah. so against yeah. good teams, too. We're talking about, yeah. like, Liverpool, City, and a bunch of mid-table teams, and they have fucking four cleans and he has a billion saves in that in that yeah. period all right so that's burnley box um next place i want to go is brighton um yeah you've been pumping them for a while too yeah i mean they're hewton has them so well drilled and organized their shape is just fantastic they have two da- two banks of four two dank center of backs. Four. Uh, fuck off the the center backs deal with absolutely everything that comes into the box they, no one gets change off of them. They are physical, Duncan Duffy, just they're a great pairing. They have experience together. They played 5,000 games last year in the championship together, and they're just nails. Um, they're compact. They, they're tight. They're just great. And I think Brighton is very close behind Burnley of just a fantastic defense to invest into. And the players are all 4-5, and they look fantastic, and I think you should have all of them. Yeah, and it's just another case, and I'm going to just keep bringing this up, where it's like they've they've cleaned against all of these teams who can't attack that I was just talking about consistently. They've been cleaning against them for you know two months, kind of. So there's really no hesitation there. I mean, Duffy at 4-5 and Dunk at 4-4. Duffy is better on BAPS. Dunk is should have maybe had a goal, you know, so they're just both great. And having both isn't even that crazy, but I do consider them more rotational, I think, than Burnley. I think Burnley's just a better team with a probably just better midfield and, you know, just they're just better overall and definitely a better goalie. So yeah, but I, both I trust are Burnley like, a little more. But you're not starting either against the top four side. You don't want to, but... FPL oftentimes forces you to do things you don't want yeah. to do. So I'd much rather have like <laughs> you know, Toby and Fuckface get injured and you have to start Ben Me or Duffy in a bad fixture. I'd much rather have Ben Me. That's fair. Yeah. Um I think then the next place to go is Liverpool because yeah. they have they have actually mispriced assets where the game didn't expect 
Albie Moreno or Joe Gomez to be first choice from game week four on, but they are in their four or five and game week you know, one. <laughs> like, game week. It's funny because they made the adjustment. They switched Milner to defender and then they just completely ignored everything that happened in preseason. Man, where Moreno just started every game. They put Robbo at five, and he hasn't gotten a look in. Yeah, exactly. So, but tough, tough clean sheets away. Not a great clean sheet record, regardless of opposition away. But at four or five, you're buying a top four or five team in the Premier League. Good clean sheet record at home. Rotated rotational ability if they're four or five, like Moreno and Gomez are. I think that's where you go next. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we've been pumping these two for a while, but. Moreno's a great pick. I mean, Gomez had a fucking nightmare game. But overall, still a really good pick. And Klein is just dead, dead. for very long term. He's pulling a Danny Rose right now. Like, every report yep. is just... I don't believe anything I see about him. Like, I, at this point, I honestly don't expect him back this season because I just have no idea. But, yeah, Gomez is a good pick. I mean, they're both at risk, kind of, of rotation because there are guys there who back them up who are good but it's been now for a while that champions league trent plays moreno just plays all the time because he's just energizer bunny but champions league trent plays and in in the league gomez plays so i think they're both pretty safe and they're and they're good yeah like at home they have one goal allowed on the season so that's good yeah yep so those are those are some good guys i want to talk about um Bournemouth because the fixtures far outweigh their defensive capabilities. Yeah, I almost got Daniels on my wild card because of the fixtures. Yeah, I mean, they've been a little bit all over the shop. Uh, They could have conceded against Newcastle. They can concede every game. I mean, they're they're definitely not um, they're not easy on the eyes, but the next four fixtures are home Huddersfield at Swansea, home Burnley, and home Southampton. It doesn't get any better than that. That's absolutely... Dreamland for fixtures because all four of those teams are fucking abject attacking wise. So, you know, I have Francis. He's four four. He's a yellow card chat every game because he's fucking slow and a piece of shit. But I would be a little bit suspect to spend four nine on someone like Charlie Daniels, even though he's kind of a midfielder. It's still kind of expensive to pay for a defender on a team that's very bad defensively. But it's hard to think they're not going to run into two clean sheets and then those four fixtures, right? Yeah, you'd expect them to, but I think run into is is the essential word there because I think I replied to someone on Reddit just about this because they're going Daniels over Burnley, over a Burnley guy. And basically my reasoning was, A, they're, they're just not good at defending, but B, and this is crucial, they don't set up to defend. You know, like Burnley, Brighton, these teams, they are so compact all the time, regardless of fixture. Like, they're not going to, like, open up and tiki-taka Josh King, Defoe, like, Eddie Howe, sexy English manager, try and score a bunch of goals and stuff. Like, those teams are set up to keep a clean sheet first and then score. And Bournemouth are just not, you know? So, like, one of these teams, you know, catches them on the break. Tammy Abraham catches them on the break. Like, I don't know. They could not keep any cleans in this period and yeah, I also they could keep be zero for versus like if Burnley Brighton these other teams we're talking about Liverpool had these same fixtures it'd be like two automatic two minimum yeah but absolutely. maybe three maybe four yeah 
And then let's to... let's go over to Newcastle because Rafa's got them set up defensively and tight and shit. Oh, but so fucking annoying. They've <laughs> for as as tight as they've looked, they've still only think I think kept three cleans on the season, which is just as bad as anyone. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, three cleans on the season. So they're just they're just below all of the teams we just mentioned. Actual. I mean, they they have they they give up one a game. It's like the Spurs curse of last year. Uh, but I mean, they, nightmare. They're not curse. they're not getting spanked. The most goals they've allowed all season were two in any game. But you know, it's it's the kind of. I mean, they fucking gave the clean sheet up. But the, the last dude, I know, dude. I have Lejeune. I was watching. Yeah, it was a fucking. Yeah, I mean, I had I had Elliot. It's they're just, still good defensively. As you said, they don't ever really get spanked, and statistically, like X goals, all that shit, they're good. They don't concede many shots. They don't concede possession in in dangerous areas or anything like that. But I don't know. They're just not. They're just not getting them yet, and that's really frustrating. As as we both own guys there, but I think they will start getting them soon. But the fixtures, very short term, are really bad. So. I don't know. It's it's sketchy with them. Like, yeah, they still have Trafford, a few. I don't love Watford. They've got some good Watford, home games. I don't though. love. You know, after yeah, I mean, they're a rotator. I mean, no, yeah, no one has a rotation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think I would like to have a four or five defender like Yedlin or Lejeune. Lejeune is fucking great. I think he's pick of the litter out of all of them. He's four four, and he's nailed, and he's a monster on bonus and he can score goals too. Yeah. But I mean basically what we're driving at here and I mean Swansea, I mean they they've kind of dropped into the relegation job and also Palace to a lesser extent. I mean we've been very defensive, very good shape under Roy. Yeah. Basically what we're driving at here is that there are a lot of teams that are decent clean sheet shouts with four or five defenders who you can rotate and if you can set your team up with four of them to rotate between two starting spots, you should be in good shape, and you don't have to spend six million for start every weeks for someone like uh, like Spurs or, or Baye or whomever on those teams, right? Yep. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're saying. Right, let's go. That's fucking this that was, defense. That this was is defense a defense spot. Yeah, this is I'm defense spot. So don't give a fuck about defense. I guess anymore. I'm gonna put Ben Me on the cover. Ugh, good. Or maybe just Daesh and like how I did the pep one. <laughs> what you put a picture of Daesh on all four walls of the square. Exactly. I'll do that. Everywhere. Just gin, everywhere. Ginger Mourinho, just get in. If he well, goes to Everton, though, what? Fucking Ugh. Burnley out. Yeah, I mean, well, then I'm glad I haven't made my transfers yet because I'm going to fucking transfer Ward out and I'm not going to get Pope. Yeah. Where we are right now, though, let's, let's talk about uh, fucking strikers for a little bit. So everyone wants to talk about Rom because yeah, their pictures are turning. Pogba, who the fuck knows, might be back or might not be back. I don't know. John Calvert on Twitter asked, should we bring Lukaku back for United's easy schedule? In my case, for a non-nailed Aguero. Where would you put those two? Aguero, number one. Aguero, number two. <laughs> Aguero, number three. Aguero, number four. Aguero, number five. Lukaku, number six. Where would you put them? United are just really fucking bad at attacking without their Pogba. Really fucking bad is generous because they create absolutely nothing. Nothing. McTarian's just gone missing, and gone everyone's missing saying like, "Oh, is also fucking generous." Yeah, generous. he's on the milk carton. He's fucking dead, and like he's 
Buffalo Bills. Silence, bu- Silence of the Lambs. Buffalo Bills. Well, in the basement. <laughs> He's putting, putting the lotion on. No, it's putting the lotion. It's putting lotion up its asshole. He's gone. He's his season's over. Looking at the pictures, people are like, oh, like United have been playing really good teams. Like, how did United go against Huddersfield? Did they win that game? Did they look good? Did they create a lot? How is Huddersfield away? How is a promoted team who's fucking dog shit Steve Mounier, Steve Wagner's team? Like, they got ripped apart and they lost that game. And Rome so had that's an how they're going. Barely, like, had a yeah, but that's like yeah. that's a ridiculous flick on assists. Like, good luck. No, like, I know. Go I'm do saying again. Like, like he only got an assist. Yeah, no, that's nice. Like, good, go go on, but. This fucking dude, Lukaku, is the second most expensive, third most expensive player in the game. If you're buying him, you're wanting to captain him most weeks. He looks absolutely diabolical. The team is fucking terrible. They're not attacking, and they look terrible. There's no reason to believe that just because they play a really good defense in Newcastle and a really good defense against Brighton, two very organized buses, that they're going to just rip four goals off in each game. Like That's ridiculous. You have to so, look back and... and- when they were scoring all those goals and just realize how different the team is with like Pogba, especially he's probably their most important player. And then Mata and just everything was coming off in those early fixtures. Since Pogba's injury, they scored four against Everton who, as we know, ended up firing Komen and before firing Komen were easily the worst team in the league. And, and they scored four against Palace who until Woy organized everything were, Sorry, they were even worse than the worst team in the league in Everton. And now those teams are, you know, other than that, they scored one away to Southampton. Nil-nil Liverpool don't even fucking do anything. Score one away to Huddersfield, look like shit. Score one flick-on bullshit goal against Tottenham, create nothing else. You know, blank against Chelsea. Like, they, yeah, they're just... It's it's a ridiculous conversation that we're having. And, no, and it's yeah. If, if, There's no if Aguero basis. plays 120 minutes in the next three fixtures, he will still outscore Rom, I think. No question. So that's, There's no question you know, about that. We're, what are we talking about here? What, what, are we, like, what are we talking about What are we talking about here? I'm talking about what I'm talking about. It's the kind of thing. It's like we're fucking hardcore FPL players. And like, if Rom was on any other team than Manchester United... Oh. And we're watching this shit. Like, it's fucking a joke. Yeah. The performances that Manchester United have been playing, it's like fucking Swansea performance or Leicester performances. They look ridiculous. They just park a bus against a good team. They can't score against Huddersfield. Why would we play fixture over form? It's, it never works. You need to show some form. The attack is completely broken. They need Paul back. They need and they Paul look fucking so terrible. The player is eleven and a half million dollars as a forward. That's a ridiculous price to play for pay for someone who's looked this fucking shit. Yeah, I that's do the not understand line. it. If you're paying eleven and a half, they need to be Kane Aguero levels of player yeah. on Kane Aguero levels of teams. Aguero accidentally scores a goal every start at minimum because yeah, he if is he's fucking, off the boil. He scores a goal. He scores a, no question. If Lukaku's off the boil, he's at like negative thirty-eight baps, and he's had twenty-five turnovers. Lukaku he's off a, the boil, like give me Dimitra over Lukaku off the boil, like he's all day the worst player in the league when he's off give the me, boil. It's unbelievable. Give me Glenn Murray off the boil, like 
I want Glenn Murray I'd over Lukaku. I'd kill for Glenn Murray not jumping on every Valencia cross, then Lukaku just brick wall touch of steel. And it's just least, like, I mean, Glenn Murray at least will fucking actually groin fuck the ball into the net. Yeah, Lukaku would have tried to, to kick it or kicked it over the bar. Would not have scored that. No, no, no. No chance. No chance. Yeah, I mean, they've, they, they've fallen off big time. And, we're to, and you're talking about Aguero. I forget who the name of the guy. I think it was Calvert-Lewin who asked the question. Like, <laughs> Actual. Man City Actual have 38 Calvert. fucking goals in 11 games. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a silly thing. It's, it's a really silly thing. But like Lukaku drop. It's like just tonight. But I think a lot of very serious players are buying him back just because they see the fixtures. And I absolutely love that. And I hope to pass all of you. Listen, if you had him and you have a good team and everything else... Yeah, you hold him. No problem. You hold him. Yeah. He's still getting assists. He'll still get pens. He'll still score the occasional goal. He'll score the occasional set piece. He's still really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's not going to go on like a, a Rooney blank player. run. Yeah, he's But you're good. not buying $11.5 million, changing your whole structure and everything. For someone on this type of team, yeah. I mean, that's all we need to say. We're going in on Rom right now. Whoa, Rom. I mean, like, m- fucking United fans are fed up for a reason, you know? Like, rant cast and all the United fans in Slack and shit are like, fucking fuck Moo, I fucking hate this. Because that you know they're seeing what we're seeing. It's not like a bias buy, right now. They need to buy Shinji back. Oh my god, dude. Free Shinji. Put him in the hole. Free dude, fucking Shinji? Mata, Imagine, free Shinji, free everyone. Yeah, Mourinho would just start Shinji and Mata and double sub them both on like 53 minutes Half every time, game. He'd every be game. so happy. He'd be so happy. His happiest moment. Is to Mata hurt? No, he just bombed him out because he... He's played 45 okay. minutes in the last four games. Let me, let me ask you this, okay. What is better for Mourinho? <laughs> he starts Mata... And subs him on 60 minutes, or he doesn't Fucks even him name him in the squad. Yeah, no. He I mean, gets so much enjoyment. I mean, that's win-win. Win for Mourinho. He does not play his most creative and best midfielder so that he can play Ander Herrera, who's a red card chat every game, or play Montic, who's just fucking tackles and runs around in circles. Doesn't want to win games. He just wants to play these fucking oaf piece of shits yeah. and does not want to score goals. And why would you try and win a game when the no? Why would you win when you can just walk in the league? You can just you can just you can just not win games and be fine. You can not. You can complain to the media. You can park a bus, and you can not score goals. That's what he's choosing to do. So Mata's at home probably beating off. He's just having a nice time. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Wow. Didn't expect to go there. Um, Here we are. Caspar on Twitter asks Salah or Sane, which basically is the same thing as asking, is Salah the best mid in the game? What do you think? Yes. Yeah. He just is. Yeah. I mean, he's basically like an out of position player. He's basically striker for Liverpool. He's shooting. (sighs) Kane is the only person in the league shooting more and with more goals than him. Yeah. Yeah. That's all all you need to say. You're just, you're, you're doing yourself. You're making the game a lot harder if you don't own him at this point. Yeah. It's yeah. it's silly. Simple. And he's nailed. And none of the City guys are nailed. And that's his only competition. But at the same time, I mean, that's one and two. Like, you should have both. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No reason so. to not have both. Like, if someone who's hanging on to, like, Ericsson or something, like, no, no, no. 
Let's talk about Ericsson's. This is an interesting thing. People actually still have Ericsson, and I see like a, a lot, lot of, of like good, a lot of good managers looking at their team. Like they have Ericsson, they're talking about transfers, blah blah blah. Don't even talk about removing Ericsson. Why the actual fuck would you still own Ericsson with the amount of midfielders who are way less expensive than the only him that are just you, doing it better? What's the point? The only reason you would still own Ericsson is because long term he's going to score you a lot of points. So they're they're the patient type who are veteran managers and know that he might blank for another entire month as he's just done. And then he'll go on a run and score bundles of points. So they don't consider him really a pressure point of their squad because there's other shit to deal with, I guess. That okay. said, I mean, I put him so far behind Salah or City Mints. It's not even close. I put Mane ahead of him too. Like, no, I mean, I take it. There's no question that he's going to be right around there, yeah. the top five midfielder points. When you look at the, the his price and you look at the value, he's not a captaincy option. The only player like really close to his price up there is like De Bruyne, who a lot of a lot of serious managers don't own because again his price is prohibitive and he's not a captaincy option. Salah is a little bit cheaper, who's an actual captaincy option, so he is a three million time better option than Ericsson. But the City mids are all like a million around a million less than him, yeah. and they're you know in breathing distance. Sane has more points than him so far. Sterling Silva breathing distance and. He has, you know, two very important games as a day in this international break. He's been really bad the last few weeks. His stats have been really bad. He's playing in a more reserve role. Don't understand it at all. I, I get like, you know, you're you're an old, an old hand, and Erickson always gets points. That's fine, but you got to chop and change to a degree. And I mean, I ran to the bank with my points from Erickson, and that was one of the best decisions I made. That was, was your best him out. for the season. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of looked at the forward thing. It was like, okay, he didn't look good in this game. When was it? I'm fucking checking this right now. Because you could have got rid of Salah, I remember. Yeah, I could have. No, but that was not. But that wasn't a question. Like that would have either been like but, I didn't get rid of I. Like, but that was. It was less of a no question than it is now, though. You know what I mean? Like at the time, right. I think Salah was like off two blanks, and it was like he's but still I didn't he's talk still to really you about good it. pick, but you know maybe not the best mid in the game. But we didn't talk about that. Like I didn't even bring that up. I think we brought it up in private. Maybe. No, that's crazy talk. I never brought up selling Muhammad al Salah. Okay, okay, fine. Are you looking at it I, up? Uh, no, no, no. no fuck it. We don't have our to private, our private logs. I don't have that. <laughs> CIA has that. No, I thought you were looking up when you got rid of Ericsson, not, not the no, CIA. I fucked him off like, right after he got points because I'm a genius. Yeah, that was a good move. Um... Let's, let's, I, I mean, think I feel like that's box. I mean, one thing about Pope that I noticed heavily, just to go <laughs> back to Burnley really quick, is <laughs> we're back to the Pope. Well, I just have this note right here, and I didn't say it when we were going on our Burnley rant. But one thing that I really like about Pope is just he has the mouth of Luis Suarez. He has the most insane overbite in England right now, and I think his... that just reflects so kindly on his FPL superstardom. His skeletal structure, structure, very interesting. Very like the front, interesting. The front of his face kind of like caves inward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it comes to a sharp point yeah. where his nose and his mouth and his forehead meet. And you, like you mentioned. He I probably mean, he has a sister who's a model. And she's like over six feet tall and her cheekbones are the highest things on earth. But on him, it's a little, yeah, it looks a little different. I, don't, don't agree. 
Okay. He probably has a sister who is his wife, and they have inbred children. <laughs> would be <laughs> fourth generation. <laughs> I mean, his he looks like a little bit of, I don't know, a little oh. questionable. A little like his sheep's a mom and his goat's a dad. I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> his teeth are his teeth. It's like he's got four teeth in the front. They're very protruded out that's of his face. And to it's, a teeth. Yeah, no, that's a, yeah. Same thing. I'm not saying it's different, but it's just there, and it's questionable. Yeah, but he's a great goalkeeper. He's but, a great guy. Yeah, I mean, whatever aliens abducted him when he was a child turned him into a good goalie. So that's good for him. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Pope. I don't, we're not going to do captains and our teams this week because we'll do another pod next week before the actual game week. So I mean, here we are now, winding down. I think it's time to slap some asses and call it a day. What do you think? Yeah, I got him up. Fire. Um, new, new friends of the pod. Uh, Matthew, For- uh, these are Slack and F- MLFPL League participants. We have Matty Ford. Uh, Shooter McGavin backslash Hainsey. Don't know who you are, but love, love you. Jessup Gage, absolutely from old country, from no, old men, old new, new country. Old country for old new, new country, <laughs> new country for old men. <laughs> that sounds like a gay porno. <laughs> no country for old men. Yes, that's what it is. That's that's where Jessup Gage. New country for old men. <laughs> Oh man, Jessup Gage, absolute legend. Olaf Nordgren, um, Espen Valdal, and Jamie Umbach. Got a couple of Norwegians in there. Yeah, as usual. Our, our home Dude. base in Norway. <laughs> Scandinavia. Yeah, that's so our bread. That's our bread. That's our bread. That's our bread and butter. We're teaching them new, all just you know American bats. New country for new gay men. <laughs> yeah, new country for old <laughs> homosexual men. You can listen to our gay podcast on new country for <laughs> our gay lifestyle podcast on new country for new old men looking for younger men, not Harvey <laughs> Weinstein aged, but just eighteen and over. No, it's it's FML I can't believe I'm sorry to anyone who's still listening to this. No, it's good. It's good bands. All right. Check us out. FMLPL.com. Follow on Twitter. God damn. Check us out at FMLPL.com. Follow on Twitter at FMLPL. Support us at Patreon.com slash FMLPL. And cheers. <laughs> <laughs>